Hey everyone, and welcome to the weekly catch up podcast. It is Tuesday, February 11, 2020. And Mr. B Rad is back from technology trip, folks. So we're about to dive in. What's up, B Rad? That's right. Space camp was great. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I cannot wait to unpack what two weeks of goodness now? We haven't caught up in a while. Uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a hot minute. Well, you ready? Let's get it. It's the weekly catch up with Carson and Brad. Here to talk about the week we done had. It could be sports, religion, politics. We keeping the tabs. You would think they work for Gucci, how they deep in they bag. Get your facts up. On Wednesday, we'll be counting the stats up. So turn the volume up till it's maxed up. You know the drill. So tell a friend to tell a friend to relax up and chill. We back up. This is the weekly catch up. So you got to tell me all about just a, a bevy of teachers down in San Marcos on a technology trip. What does that look like, Mr. B-Rad? Um, it was actually really cool. Like I had a wonderful time. There were a lot of different uh, types and styles of teachers and <laughs> just we went to amazing people watching, I'm sure. Oh, it was man. If you think like the airport or Walmart is fun. <laughs> Oh, you have no idea. But yeah, overall, it was, like I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to go. And I'm sure we'll get into some of that. But uh, that's what I'm trying to do right now. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like you have specific questions for me. Yeah. So you went down Monday? Uh, yeah. Did you just drive down there? Uh, I went with two of my coworkers and we left like at five in the morning and went straight to the Austin Convention Center straight into our first session. Oh, wow. Okay. So is it a stereotypical like multi-stage convention with different speakers and thought leaders and demos occurring and then a big demo pit somewhere in the convention center? Like break it all down for me, like geo-wise. Yeah. So it started off with uh, just like these mini sessions and we have a list of ones that we can choose from and they range from like 45 minutes to an hour 30 and uh, you just look at the description and find one that kind of entices you and you feel like you can benefit from. And then there's like one or two big sessions throughout the day, um, which still you didn't have to attend that one, but that's just where the majority of the people would go because we had like bigger speakers and um, it doesn't, it didn't really matter for me because I work at a private school and I can't get any, any use out of it, but we actually were scanned every time we went into a session and like these uh, public school teachers will be able to use that for like some of their teaching credits and it goes to some of that. And so that's why like a bigger session would be more enticing because you would technically get more points for attending those. And uh, you Interesting. would, yeah. So you would go to like less of the smaller breakout sessions. Why would the main hall be designated as more points? Cause typically I found that those are like the showcase sessions. Those are the ones where you can easily go to the back of the stadium hall and like goof off with your colleagues and you don't really have to be clued in. Whereas like a, a smaller breakout session, will typically have a more narrow topic, right? Yeah, you're not wrong at all. So uh, the the logic behind it isn't exactly sound, but that's just how it was. Interesting. So um, these were like thought leaders talking about the intersection of teaching and technology in the classroom and just like best. So it wasn't, it wasn't just like a, here's how to use these products. It was like, 
high level methodology and ways to incorporate technology into the classroom. Yeah, like not only showcasing what up and coming technology there is or what people have been using lately, but why and then like going in some of the sessions going further into it and just like it's just like a bunch of demonstrations. At any point, were you in an exhibit hall with a bunch of booths and demos of like different technology products specifically geared towards teachers or schools? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. So next question. Um, You wouldn't be labeled as like a buyer of these products for your school in particular. Like you would have to go back. Me personally, no. Like you personally, you'd have to go back to your principal or your buying committee and like form a consensus and pitch the product and say, here's why. I'm, you know, passionate that we should incorporate this into our classrooms here at Chisholm Trail. Yep, exactly. Okay. Were there buyers there? Yes. With- yeah, like some schools sent, you know, if, if their principal's in charge of, of what they're allowed to have at the school, or some of them actually sent, um, you know, their treasurers or their accountants or, you know, whoever it might, whoever handles the money. Um, there were a lot of those uh roles there as well. Is that widely regarded as procurement for schools or like um, the main buyer for a school is the CFO or the treasurer? Um, I can't speak to the public school setting, but for us, yes. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, But yeah, there was a lot of great stuff. Um, A lot of like V, uh, how to incorporate VR, um, like virtual reality. Um, So yeah, I don't know. There was there was just a lot of cool lessons that they showed. Um, the biggest or the coolest program that I found was this program called Nearpod, N-E-A-R, Pod. And it's like this really intuitive PowerPoint, but it's not just like you're showing slides and reading them and then the presentation's over. Like, this is you're supposed to use us as an aid from the beginning to the end of your lesson. And the great thing about it is not only can you like just have these different slides and incorporate video, but you can also input within this program. You can um, have the you can set up a poll where kids can vote on certain issues or or just see how they're feeling about a certain topic. You can put up this digital uh, cork board. And students can ask questions um, that they might be af- too afraid to like raise their hand and ask because you can make it anonymous if you care to. Like you can still see who's answering, um, but you can hide it from the rest of the students. Um, and you can also just like after every you know bit of information. Like so, if I'm reading a paragraph in literature and I were to ask the students like how they feel about it, well, they could type on their iPads and like send in their thoughts. Um, without worrying like what their friends are going to think about it. And then you can also incorporate uh, quizzes and like multiple choice, and then it'll, it'll grade it automatically, which is amazing. Um, so it, let's say I'm done with my lesson. And then at the end of it, I want to quiz them. Like I do it within that app. And then once we're done with that lesson and everybody submitted everything, I can close out of it and save that session, which is like, amazing so i can if i get behind in my grading and i'm like you know i I gave the lesson three days ago i can go back to that session and look what little timmy uh got on this quiz and then input it into my grade book um and yeah so it was just really cool there's also um like a multiple near pod near pod okay yeah and wow dude that 
I mean, that sounds like the intersection of so many things, right? Like Dude, a learning management can, system, VR. Yeah, um, they animation. had VR. They had like VR video in it as well. Um, there's also like this program where you just um, you can turn on your phone and like open up this app. And it basically looks like your camera. So whatever you're pointing your camera at, but you can move it around the room and it'll find these little digital uh, characters with notes that you put. So let's say I'm doing Great Gatsby. Well, I can set up like this little stick figure um, and then they can move around their camera and find a character who's uh, who has like a little quote bubble that I could have put next to it as well. Like I, it just makes it a lot more interesting for the students rather than just like uh, having them move around the classroom and finding a piece of paper that I've taped to the wall. I think this just makes it a lot more int intriguing and uh, captivating for them. Maybe I missed something, but why are students on scavenger hunts around the classrooms? Like, wh what are you um, talking about? Like you're hiding clues or like yeah. added nuggets to stories well, taped to walls. Yeah, the stuff? idea is that we're not just sitting in our chairs the whole time reading because that can become pretty monotonous. Are you teaching them to walk and read at the same time? Not walk and read, but oh, <laughs> especially with like middle school. I don't do this as much with high school, but like whenever I was in Maryland, um, we would go over a history lesson and then I would just have these little fun facts that, you know, they'd get in pairs and then walk around the room and and find these discussion questions. And then they'd have to write them down, like their thoughts down. And again, it's really just to kind of break up the monotony and have them feel like something different is happening interesting yeah okay and there's like studies behind that um just having those visual aids and making something more of an experience rather than just regurgitating facts that they read like it just whenever you create an experience it helps it, uh, you know these things stick with them more it becomes more of like a memory yeah, it's easier to remember the movie than the book. I right, get it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, this isn't this is like an age old principle here. And I'm yeah. like, man, if this had been around when I had to read the three musketeers, this would have really helped out that first right. time. Yeah, exactly. Goodness. Yeah. So <laughs> but yeah, you were was, there Monday through Friday, right? So you had dude, a lot of stuff, a lot, a lot of stuff, both good and bad. Okay. And so uh, I don't, I texted you like on the first yeah. day. Was that one? But you didn't clarify whether that was good or bad. That was the bad so one. B Rad texts me. He's like, got a story for the pod. Hashtag technology trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so man. it's bad. It yeah. happened on Monday? It just wasn't. Ha yeah. The first day? I mean, which is to be expected. Like everybody's just kind of getting to the swing of things. And I don't think that they would put their best sessions on the first day. And then we're all just like, you know, twiddling our fingers the rest of the time. Um, I don't know. I think it might be just being like a younger teacher. I'm already using a lot of this stuff in my classroom, like the the VR and, you know, the application that I was just talking about, like that was wonderful and that was all new to me. But there was a lot of like sessions that I would go to where it's like, dude, I'm already like way past this. Like I know an application better than the one that they're presenting right now. Um, and it was just funny. I think it was either the very first or the second session of the first day I was there with my coworkers and we go in and they're showing this uh, uh, YouTube video and she pauses it and she's like, okay, now I don't know if you know this, <laughs> but you can click this little double square at the top right and you can find all of your tabs that are there uh, from your web browser. 
wait, what was it? She was, was she showing teaching? us how to get back to our internet tabs. She's like, as I want to, as if that was like mind blowing. <laughs> She's like, I want to introduce you to my friend, Internet Explorer. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was, I was just like, oh no, and that was like the first experience I had at this at this breakout. And I was just like, man, if this is how the rest of the week is going to go, <laughs> like, you can catch me at my hotel in the hot tub. Like, now, now Betty, wh- which button did you press to see all your tabs? I, a- and what are tabs? I kid you not. Like, No, I know. I know. And that's how the person that you're being right now, there were some of those I, within I the session who did it, who that was helpful I to, and which is People are incredibly stupid, my friend. They're so <laughs> <Yeah>. dumb. <laughs> it was great. Um, there was another one that was implementing uh, podcasts and how to use that in the classroom, which I thought was really interesting. What, did your chest just kind of puff out and you were like, yeah, I, I mean, like, I yeah. guess I'll go see what they're talking about. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. And I actually wrote down this quote because I, I thought it was funny. And um, yeah, so the guy was like, nobody just turns on the mic and starts talking without a script. <laughs> I'm like, I do that every Wednesday. Yeah. son. <laughs> And Tuesdays and sometimes Thursdays and right. Sundays. Like, Depending. we don't have an issue with that, folks. Like, yeah. we're, we're mad off the cuff. But he was basically just talking about how to set that up. And I was like, well, I've been there. I'm not getting the benefit of the podcast for who? Podcast for students. I actually, I do oh, think that would like be cool. Lessons. Yeah. Um, and not, and, you could record them teaching a lesson and then they could show that to their parents. And that's like kind of proof of what they've been learning in the classroom, which I think really could be helpful because I know I teach my kids a lot of stuff and they do a lot of stuff in my classroom and then go home and tell their parents, uh, nothing like we did nothing today. Um, Yeah. Well, it's hard in real time to really capture everything like you can if you're recording things. And I I'm in a a software system all day long called HubSpot, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, well, no, Okay. Have you heard of it? Uh, I mean, maybe in passing, but I'm ignorant to it. I'm not saying that as like a criticism. It's one of those things where any of like my marketing friends, like if I was talking to John or Ellen or anybody, like they would know what HubSpot is, even if they hadn't been in it. But it, I, I've learned so much about these teaching curriculum applications and all of this stuff that I've actually, the, the past two weeks when you brought this up, I've been genuinely intrigued by this. And I think people found value um, from kind of hearing about the way it's broken down, like the intersection of teaching and technology. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm in this software system called HubSpot, which is basically this, you know, it's a CRM on crack. So you can basically have all of your accounts in this CRM okay. and all of your contacts with their different titles and ways to reach out to them. It, we have this uh, HubSpot extension within our, our email that basically every email that I send is tracked. So if I need to go look up, you know, Amy before our call in five minutes, I basically have our entire communication history stored right there. Yeah. And it has this amazing feature that uh, I use to call her the countries and call all of my customers. I'm able to, it has like, in addition to email or do you want to log a call? It's like, you want to just go ahead and make the call? Great. Mm-hmm. We intuitively know whether or not you can reach them based on your call plans and the, I get to reach out to like 30 different countries, essentially, yeah. um, as well as all of America. And so I just click call and it says, do you want to call the company phone or their cell phone or which one? So I, I hit that. And then based on the consent laws of different states and provinces for um, one party notification recording, which is where like 
certain states like Texas, for instance, mm-hmm. I could call you on the phone and record the conversation and not tell you about it. Right. Other states, that's not allowed. Well, HubSpot intuitively knows based on the location and the area code that you're calling, whether or not it can record. Okay. And so it, it does so. So like you can leave your call notes. So I'll go back through and look at my call notes, but then I sometimes just press play mm-hmm. and I'll be on and my AirPods and one person is in my right AirPod. I'm in my left AirPod and it's a great way to self critique, get better, like really digest like, Hey, this was a moment where like I listened to one the other day and I was cutting somebody off too much mm-hmm. or I, and I thought it went well, it was great 13 minute phone call. Um, but I just listened to it and kind of critiqued myself and thought, okay, that, that's a point where I would have left that last sentence off or, um, maybe I could have followed up with this question or, yeah. you know, it's more about the sales strategy at right. that point. But, uh, these HubSpot tools are absolutely incredible. And what it does is it allows us to like tie, um, you know, I can basically, uh, whenever you visit my website, I can like create a lead mm-hmm. essentially. And then once you've interacted with my properties enough times, I'm going to deem you like a marketing qualified mm-hmm. lead. And Basically, I'm getting all these um, signals of interest and able to follow up with people in a way, in such a timely way. Like we've never had these types of sales tools at our disposal that allowed for um, real-time qualification of a lead into, you know, an actual, you know, prospect and, and potential deal. Anyway, I don't know why I got on that. I was just reflecting on like, how helpful these things are because when I started my career at the boss group back in the day, we had this, um, proprietary CRM, Mm -hmm. uh, CRM customer relationship management system, I guess there's all different variations of them. I've used really light, lightweight ones like nutshell, for instance, just to keep basic communications, log emails, different things like that. Um, but I've actually never used, I have used Salesforce at one role. I hated it back then, but that was probably 2012, 2013. Um, but I got to say, I'm a big fan of HubSpot. Okay. And it just has, it's like my one-stop shop. Like I get a text message whenever I get a form submission from a certain line. Yeah. And then it also creates a task for me in the system and it puts it in a queue that I can just check them off. Yeah, I love So that. it'll be like, call Nancy and I'll just call her right there. <laughs> Dude. I love these. I love these applications or programs where it's like a Swiss Army knife and just has yeah. all all the functions you need in one. Yeah, yeah, man. There's more. I have so many goodies about work that I always want to share with you, but like I, again, I'm trying to be respectful of of the fact that I'm not I'm not the CEO of that company, and I don't want to be, I guess, sharing all yeah, the proprietary totally. stuff. I'm I'm commenting high level on a tool that you know tens of thousands of businesses use. Um, That being said, now that I've described the recording functionality, I have to tell you one blinded story. Here we go. Um, So I closed another deal the other day. Of course. Let's go. And I was pretty excited about it because it was using all of HubSpot's methodologies like customer had come in, shown a signal of interest, installed installed the application using Microsoft Teams. Um, They were in a cadence so we, you can mm-hmm. use sequences in HubSpot and it'll say, okay, call this person and leave them a voicemail if you don't get a hold of them okay. and then enroll them in the sequence. And what that does is it fires off an email that personalizes everything to them. And it's like, hey, Brad, I just left you a voicemail trying to introduce myself with blah, blah, blah. 
And here's a link to book time on my calendar. Like, let's Mm -hmm. get together. I'd love to learn more about your goals. And then uh, if the email is responded to or the meeting is booked, for instance, they're triggered out of the sequence. Otherwise, you have other automatic activities Ah. that occur if no action happens within one day. Right. And you can set all these qualifying parameters for um, how someone can unenroll themselves from this sequence. Anyway, it's all just like, down to a the the nice thing is is that from a sales perspective and the way that we have HubSpot set up, um, it's always getting better. You know, like as long as I stay on top of these three lines of communication, I'm not going to miss a thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, um, anyway, but no, that's reflecting on a gaff, I I closed another deal the other day and uh, was excited about this, um, but it was kind of a full. 360 story because one of the companies from that sequence where I had to call and reach out, they had me reaching out to this, uh, this young lady and she did not appreciate my phone call. And it was one of my first calls employed at this company. And it was one of my first recorded calls that I hadn't clicked. Like don't record, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I'm on the record, you know, it's, it's rough. It's like, it's like a cold call kind of based off warm interest. And she hung up on me like after talking to me for about 20 seconds. Yeah. And it was, um, you know, it's just one of those things that it's like, man, it's embarrassing. It's frustrating. You kind of play it off. Like, you know, like you're going for the high five and you miss it. You see, you just swipe through your hair or something. Right. Somebody is like waving high and it's to the person behind you. Exactly. Exactly. So, and I'm like, oh, it's recorded. And I thought to myself for a brief moment, this, the CRM does give you the ability to delete. <laughs> and I thought about it for a moment. Yeah. And I thought, I bet my calls are getting reviewed. You know, I'm new on the job, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't delete it. Okay. And I'm very proud of that because what I ended up doing was I called this young lady's boss. I mm-hmm. set the meeting that I was in originally trying to set. That lady ended up being the chief like business partner for human resources for the mm. company. She was a rung or two above the person who had hung up on me. So yes. she invited the person who hung up on me to the demo that she set. <laughs> on Love said it. demo, I closed it down and they they are the deal I'm referencing. Let's so go, baby. I thought that was kind yes. of um I didn't delete the hang up call. That's a chef's kiss right there. <laughs> so anyway, um I thought that was worth putting down on my show notes. Oh, absolutely. I love that. <laughs> and that now we can get off work. Um, All right. Actually, I do have more questions about technology trip, if okay. you don't mind. Hit me. Um, typically, the types of conferences that you're describing, I've gone to, but they've been more technology or, well, you know, startup oriented. Yeah. Um, and we know who the big uh, swinging dudes are in that mm-hmm. uh, profession. Like it's going to be, you know, the co-founders of the CEO of like the billion dollar unicorns and the top VCs. We know who the power players are in that space. How did you distinguish like who were the big sessions surrounding? Like who were the thought leaders and how do teachers know that they're a thought leader? Um, Where's your marketplace? Where like what is your Twitter or how do you guys stay on top of what's hot in your space? I I think it would have to do with like these conventions because this convention has i guess been going on for 
maybe 20 years, 20 plus years. And this is like, I, I, ever since technology started. <laughs> right. Um, I don't know how they find these people. Like the person that I thought was most interesting, which will be obvious whenever I say it is this dude named Seku, who is like a spoken word guy, but um, he he's done events for like president Obama. Um, he's performed with like Jay Z and different things like that. And I was like, dude, I'm all over this. And he actually gave a session in which um, it was like a motivational type of thing. And he would go in and out of speaking spoken word, um, which I thought was really interesting and really cool. Hmm. So you were aware of Sekou before the conference? Yeah, he was the only one. Um, but there were bigger names yeah. that other teachers were that, that do. Or, sorry. I guess that they they knew of that. Sorry I to be not. sorry to be such a dumb Hollywood consumer of what your industry is all about, but like the real life Hillary Swank from the movie where she goes into the inner city and like yeah, turns free, it around. Freedom Riders. Yeah, like are there people like that where are you aware of like who the person was that went into New York City inner city schools and turned them around? Like, do you have? leaders like 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 in business we that, know who bill gates is yeah. you know we know who elon is I'm, i i think you're referring to bradley colvin well like <laughs> i think that's pretty evident know. based on your understanding because typically the top people in their profession are going to walk into most of the sessions and be like yeah i know this like, like I, I could be on a panel for this and before this uh you know technology trip um I've also been in meetings with uh, coworkers and actually some members of the Seventh Day Adventist Texas Conference um, and Southwestern and our elementary school, elementary school KAES, um, and how we can make our schools like irresistible to incoming students or like why people should pick our schools. And so this has actually been on my mind quite a bit like you're talking about the you know freedom writer hillary swank coming in and motivating these kids and i think they're i i don't know i feel obligated and i feel like it's my duty to kind of be that teacher to these students like i think something that makes a school irresistible is it doesn't really matter if we have virtual reality headsets in our classroom um it, it matters if we have our students engaged. Like you can have all the technology in the world at your fingertips, but if you don't know how to use it properly and the kids don't care about what you're saying or what you're presenting, it doesn't matter what you show. In my opinion, like I've seen really, like I've seen uh, speakers come into our school who I personally think is interesting because I know them and I've talked with them outside of the, the, the message that they're giving but the kids found no interest in it because like they, they don't have any rapport with these speakers. And so for me, um, yeah, it really is important to build that relationship. And I, I think that's more important than the type of technology that we have. Like, that's why I'm really excited that I can use this because I do have a lot of students that listen to me and they, they do care what I have to say. And now I can implement some of these stuff. But I think, First and foremost, you have to build that relationship. Yeah, totally agree. And I, I think you're, I think that's why you're a cut above. Um, but I got to say, like, 
it's pretty awesome to hear that within the faith, you know, at these more junior, like it's not collegiate level. You yeah. guys are like really making a market share play. Like yeah. you, you've identified your ideal customer profile. You guys are going after them. You just the fact that this school has recruited and retained you and has you on fire and is sending you on trips that you should be an ombudsman on. Mm-hmm. Um, like it seems like it's operating at a higher level than maybe in years past or maybe just what my perception was. This is my fifth year of teaching and this is like the most, I mean, and I'm an involved teacher, don't get me wrong, but I feel like this is the most involved I've ever been because I've been allowed to. Like whenever I was in Maryland, the you know principal and the staff there, they wanted me to do certain things, but they never really gave me the keys or the tools to do it or showed me how, like, I'm still a teacher who's learning. Like, I'm still a fairly new and green teacher. Um, So to come here to this high school and for them to be like, hey, you're going on this trip, um, or hey, we're going to continue your education and pay for your master's, or just everything else that they've allowed me to do, you know, being the, the, assistant coach for the basketball team or letting me ride with the soccer team, even though I'm not a coach and getting to know my kids, um, just the opportunities that they're allowing me to have has helped me. And I think the students benefit from that. I think that this role and this location more than any other that you've been a part of has allowed for total immersion and you're in a Mecca and at DCA or whatever it was and in Maryland, like those might've been little hubs, but they weren't meccas. They weren't Berrien Springs or whatever. Uh, They weren't Loma Linda, Keene, Texas, you know, all of the major meccas that, you know, the Seventh-day Adventist faith um, has typically, I guess a mecca is a mecca if it has a K through 12 plus academy, like, or academy for high school and and college and a home church, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And Loma Linda is obviously a hub because it's the medical capital of the faith and partially the world. Like they do a lot of our our health system stands up against, you know, the best of them, which is pretty cool. Like we I think we have the second largest private health system, second only to the Catholics. Yeah, I think I've said that on this show before. Yeah, Loma Linda is huge. You can you can not know anything about Seventh-day Adventists and know Loma Linda. Yeah. Only blue zone in America. (laughs) How cool is that? Um, well, that's cool, man. I'm glad that you enjoyed it and that yeah. you brought some of these learnings back. I mean, what was the debrief like back when you got to school? Um, did you have a committee that you had to go fill in? Like, do you have a technology committee or? So not a technology committee, um, but our people that run all the technology, like my two coworkers that went with me, they're pretty much in charge of all of that. They're not the ones that are, that can say, Hey, we're buying this, but they are the ones that they're basically our IT department, even though they teach classes on top of that. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, we talked to our accountant and our principal and we're going to get the ball rolling at least on Nearpod. Oh, um, oh yeah. I, dude, I've, man, I want to do that too, man. Like, yeah, like <laughs> can I, I want to come shadow a student for a day just to sit through Nearpod. Cause you yeah, really sold the crap out yeah, of that. No, you're more than welcome to come, dude. I, <laughs> that sounds fun. I, like it's been a long time since I've really been fired up about, uh, an app that I learned from uh, at a teacher convention because um, I feel like being younger, like I'm more on top of things than the higher ups and the older uh, folk. folk. So, so yeah, this was pretty sweet. 
anyway. Well, awesome, man. Um, can we talk about an app that's not having as great of a time as Nearpod is right now? Please. And you- hey, get and I, I'm assuming we're about to jump into the news and all that. So I was at this session from like 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. most days. So I, you're going to have to fill me in on a lot of the happenings of the world. So I had to fill myself in, but I did make a commitment to this show <laughs> and our listeners. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. I, I remember the last time. It's been so hard to follow politics since I went back to work full time, honestly. And I love that. You, I love your dad's like <laughs> takes on that yeah. where it's like, you can tell Carson's working hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's he doesn't know that. anything. He used to know so much. <laughs> um, but no, that that's a good trade off. But I actually, uh, I know I look like I came prepared. I had to just go like i was like i really want to talk about this story but i don't want to just be like do you know anything about this mm-hmm. and like keep wondering for the rest of the show <laughs> so i just looked it up i was like this okay. is an opportunity to inform myself yeah. so that i can tell you because i knew that you wouldn't know about this i know you've heard about this okay. though so i've been dying to talk about the iowa caucuses right for months do you know what shadow app is i saw i saw it trending on twitter so you okay. got you got to hit me this is crazy <laughs> It, somebody was paying someone and they ended up like funding exactly yeah okay <laughs> see and a week ago if i hadn't done this research it would have just been like that, yeah man what are you gonna do <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do keep your shadow in front of you you know beats me <laughs> guess they'll figure it out um, all right hit us no so i i took copious notes on this i went through a couple politico articles and i got to the bottom of this so <laughs> Um, here was the big thing going into Iowa. It was exciting because it was like, who's going to win? You know, like this sets the tone. We're going to have Iowa and then New Hampshire and then South Carolina and Nevada. And, you know, we're going to get the main contender to Trump for the 2020 presidency. Right. Um, so shadow app was the app that was supposed to collect all of the regional caucus reporting and filter it back to the democratic party. Yeah. So because that app did not perform the way that it was supposed to. What percentage did they get? No, they the problem was that it took so long for them to ensure that the reporting data was solid Mm -hmm. and verified that the news media wanted to report the results starting at like seven, eight, nine o'clock Eastern. Right as is normal they want to see they want john king out there saying oh if this county flips over to this it might go blue instead of red you never know (laughs) they went for obama big time but then that same vote county voted for trump like all the people with their little touch maps you know speaking of technology i bet all the big major cable news networks spend a lot on all of those screens and touch panels and anyway um so they couldn't get conclusive reporting. And so the the media was just openly griping about this. They was like, we're going to be here until 1 a.m. These results are going to roll in. What, what's taking so long? The Democratic National Committee and the Iowa uh, Democratic Party, the IDP, okay. they were all saying like, yeah, I mean, we have full reporting, but we have to go back and verify it. And like this app that we were using didn't perform like it should have. And so then it really became... The Democratic Party failed because they used a proprietary app that was not tested and delayed the caucus results to such an extent that no conclusive winner was crowned until days later. Mm. And that already allowed for 
the big three days to occur because yeah. Super Bowl was Sunday. Mm-hmm. The Iowa caucus was Monday. We were supposed to have a winner for that. Right. And then Tuesday was State of the Union. Yes. Wednesday was acquittal in the Senate. Okay. Yeah. So the Democrats had a really bad week because they weren't able to crown a winner, produce any amount of momentum or um, to, this is supposed to help inform the electability argument and like who's going to act, who can actually win where, when push comes to shove and caucusing is occurring or voting is actually happening, where do people show up and put their money where their mouth is? Right. Um, so I looked into this shadow app because everybody was just panning the crap out of this thing. And like, why would the, why would the Iowa, um, democratic party, like not test this? I heard right wing media saying that, um, the Homeland Security had asked for like a demo of the platform and were not granted access. The Democrats were like, oh, we can handle it on our own. Ooh. I don't know if that's a fabrication. Check that out. I didn't research that part, but this thing was just so widely panned. And the amazing thing was that I didn't go into it thinking all is lost. Like I was like, so we're getting the results slower. Like I didn't realize that you had to have the election or the caucus and the winner the same day, right. which I guess it makes intuitive sense that if you're trying to establish rapport and mm-hmm. momentum and all of that going into an election season, or we've been in an election season, but you know, this next uh, eight months stent is right. for all the marbles. So um, they were just so widely panning this and, oh, what a flop of a week for the Democrats. You know, it was Super Bowl and then the caucus flop and then a very, very strong state of the union we'll get into that later i have a whole different segment on that i hope so um but so i looked into this app and i kept seeing conspiracy theories flying around on twitter like oh the minute bernie sanders is going to be in the lead the democrats find a way to shut it down you know if if hillary can't do it in 2016 then an app will do it in 2020 you know we'll bar the results or we'll manipulate the results whatever the case may be so shadow app comes out of a company actually the the company is shadow inc okay okay which already sounds sketchy right it was launched in january of 2019 Hmm. the underlying technology for the company (laughs) for their proprietary technology was purchased for almost a million dollars okay a peer-to-peer texting platform that they bought Hmm. It is in it has investment from acronym. Acronym is a 501c4 not for profit that invested in Shadow. Hmm. It's run by Tara McGowan, who is a former Obama aide and a digital strategist at Priorities USA, which was the Clinton Super PAC hmm. in 2016. She founded Acronym, a 501c4 not-for-profit that makes strategic investments in for-profit companies, including Shadow Inc. She sold the reporting capabilities to, well, I guess Shadow Inc. sold their reporting capabilities for this platform to the Iowa and Nevada caucuses and then royally screwed them up. Tara comes out on Twitter and is like, yeah, we're waiting on the results too. Like we at Acronym want to see the real verified results while we made an investment in Shadow. We don't know anything, basically. Okay. Turns out they share the same office. Okay. Huh. 
what stinks to high heaven here? Okay, it's called Shadow. The the <laughs> yeah, he couldn't have written that better. What is going on, and why aren't we forming not for profits that are doing all our shady stuff for us? Like, come on, man. Yeah, that's wild. So, I don't know what to think about all that, but <laughs> other than the Democrats widely thought the week was a flop. You know, he got acquitted in the Senate. I think we should follow up on that simply to talk about Mitt Romney, (laughs) (laughs) the only Republican. Technically, he is the only person in history, in the history of the United States of America, that has ever voted to remove uh, a sitting president of the same party. Hmm. Did you know that? I had no idea. That's interesting. So he he blamed it on his faith, you know? Yeah. And um, it'll do that. Yeah. Um, didn't seem to work on any of the others. Yeah. They they still uh, believe that Jesus likes American prosperity. Yeah. And, you know, I happen to feel the same way at times. <laughs> um, thank you, Lord. But um, so the Iowa caucus results are finally in. Guess who won? Who? Mayor Pete. Mm. 13 delegates with 26.2% of the vote. Is he, there more to this story? Because uh, I I felt like she had I felt like she I, the owner of Tara McGowan. Yeah, I feel like she had ties to Pete in some way or another. I thought that's what I read. Oh yeah, you know I really just focused my research and search around the actual company about the shadiness of Shadow. Yeah, yeah. I really wanted to know what happened there because I had heard that this company had been, it seemed fairly straightforward to me as somebody who's been on the agency side and on the app dev side of things, like, you know, small regional company is hired for $60,000 to produce an application that day of fails. I've been in that boat. Like I've done that dance. You know, it sucks. You are everyone's punching bag. And you really, as the account guy, half the time you're like, yeah, you're just staring extra hard at the screen trying to, you know, look thoughtful. You're like, yeah. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, um, look her up if you wouldn't mind. Cause yeah, well, I'm just looking at this headline that says uh, Pete campaign paid firm that developed a voting app blamed for Iowa caucus delays. That's right. Yeah. So I forgot. I did see a tweet or something about that. Where Which is even shadier. Somebody's bio on Twitter like it showed the time-lapsed bios changing from like Mayor Pete's campaign to something to do with Shadow or something like that. Um, goodness, man. I don't know. I don't, I'm not accusing Mayor Pete's campaign of doing anything, yeah. but I will tell you that the most successful campaigns and the most closely allied people share the same data resources. So back in the 2016 election, whenever... I don't know if people remember this, but for the longest time, Trump hit Jeb Bush hard. He hit everybody hard. But he and Ted Cruz had a little bit of a bromance going on. A little bit. Where Teddy wasn't really hitting Trump, you know, and and Trump wasn't hitting Teddy until it came down to the wire. (laughs) The wire. And then Trump started sharing (laughs) photos of his wife and they were really going to low blows. And now they love each other again um, because power, (laughs) (laughs) money, money, power. Um, (laughs) Chris Tucker, money talks. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Way to derail me on that. (laughs) Um, No. So I have a friend. um, I won't, I won't name him or the company, but he actually owns a company 
that specializes in grassroots political marketing and Mm -hmm. data analytics. And he said that the reason why those two hadn't hit each other was because they were sharing the same data uh, research firms and things Mm -hmm. like that. And I think that's where some of the Cambridge Analytica stuff came up, actually. So all of these data and technology partners, it's difficult because if you manipulate social media and do boosted campaigns Mm -hmm. and you have landing pages and you're doing text message campaigns and like you're buying like reporting platforms and all of this different stuff. It's, it's natural that people that are networking within a forward thinking campaign will go to platforms, you know, like it's natural that let's say that in 10 years, Nearpod has replaced you as a teacher and you only have to teach for 10 days a year and then save segments of yourself that they splice and dice and just T-pain your teaching style, you know? Deal. <laughs> now let me see that homework. <laughs> wow, I really tickled you on that one. That's good. That's that good. good. Um, let's say that you get recruited to one of those platforms. That wouldn't be a stretch, right? right. No, you know, like you network with them. You went to the conference yeah. with them. There's already Same exact online thing teaching with where you record yourself and then students pay to check into those sessions. It is interesting that he won, though. I, I'd been hoping that he would. Uh, the big disappointment for me was that Klobuchar didn't do great. And technically, I'm a Klobuchar fan at this point, like self-proclaimed. I would vote for her hands down. She's my favorite candidate at this point, okay. and she's not going to get it. Yeah. Um, it is fun to see Pete because I would much rather have Pete, honestly, than Bernie or Warren or Biden. Yeah. Uh, Biden tanked. He flopped. <laughs> Yeah, Uh, he did really poorly. But yeah, let's start back at the beginning of that week. Shout out to the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes. What a they pulled it off, man. And it was like I went to the Super Bowl party and everybody was asking like, oh, who are you rooting for? And at the end of the day, like I just wanted a good game and we got that. And like I was rooting for the Chiefs, but I would have been I wouldn't have been upset either way. But man, what a great game. Yeah. Splendid. What a great postseason that they put on. Yes. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Really gratifying to see them win. I didn't realize um, that that was Andy Reid's sole Super Bowl win. Yeah. I, I thought he might have won one back in Philly and back so in the day. I'm so happy he got one. He seems like a nice guy. Yeah, he was so excited at the end. Seems like America's coach. Yeah. Um. So that was cool. Uh, I saw – I was so cut off from this. I remember going to a – house party a recurring house party with um daniel byard ryan spady oh, wow. the yeah. spadies used to have a an annual the, super bowl party yes. and it was dope because you get to go out to their big compound essentially in south lake they got the sports court all the nets the basketball yeah, man, their house their house is awesome yeah it was fun man. it was a huge house the boys had like this attic bedroom that pretty much you could use as a soccer field and we routinely did and that was the one day of the year where the game could just be whoever has the stuffed animal is getting smeared you know (laughs) and we would just beat each other up like it was so fun um but i remember i think it was the year actually that janet jackson was performing which with the nip slip you know i guess this this foresight ended up paying off but i remember uh, one of the moms, when the ha- the halftime show came on, yeah. said, change this. I, I don't want the kids to see this, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so it's been so long since that. For, I'm 30 now, like been out of the house for 12 years, you know, like mm-hmm. um, I, nobody's moderating that kind of thing. And then J-Lo and Shakira come out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, let's be honest, like 
that was really hot. <laughs> Especially when you ain't, ain't Google no their shaming. ages. And ain't no body shaming there. Shakira is like 43 years old. You're like, what? Yeah, J-Lo's 50. Uh, J-Lo just looked like a million bucks, like a billion bucks. She's fine. She's so fine. Um, Which one do you like better? J-Lo. Really? Yeah. I think I do too. What is that? Uh, It's the voice thing for me. Well, see, I, I thought that Shakira on her microphone with her, she could belt it out. She had that voice that just projected like so well. And it sounded so much like her records, you know, yeah. and JLo, JLo, like she couldn't, she doesn't have as strong of a voice. Shakira has always had this like Kermit the frog Muppet type of voice to me. <laughs> <laughs> Which, She's definitely a small little munchkin. Doesn't you know? do it for me. Like, like, kind of there's a she wolf <laughs> yeah. in it's just class. a little sock puppety okay. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> but yeah J- a, j-lo all the way i've got a sock puppet joke that i'll share with you off air <laughs> oh. after the show um <laughs> um so anyway cool super bowl oh so the whole point being i didn't hear any blowback about the super bowl halftime i just no? remember thinking like my peers and the people that i follow on social media were all like wow, this is proof that you can have a Super Bowl halftime show and it doesn't have to suck. Like you can have great relevant music, great performances. And, you know, a lot of the other Super Bowl halftime shows have been panned apparently. And this one was really great. And I thought so, like acoustically, I thought it was very entertaining. But then a day or two later, I basically saw trending on Twitter. Like, yeah, that's where I saw the Christian moms of America had revolted and just said, this is too sexual or something. So the, the, can I speak to your manager moms of America? (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's my favorite middle-class fancy, uh, meme right now is the, uh, she's like the 55 year old white woman leading out of her, um, Subaru. And she's like, Church is out. Time to go be a bitch to a food service worker. <laughs> oh, and I was yeah. like, "How how accurate is that?" Yeah, like, man. The amount of so, mind. I'm not going to call any of my family members out for returning their food. <laughs> well, I mean, but my dad will know who I'm talking about. <laughs> um, <laughs> We have too <laughs> too small of an audience. You know that our audience just all gets together and listens at the same time, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just our families. Dude, I, you're going to upload this. I'm going to drive home and my dad's already going to be listening to it. So, Shout out B-Red's dad. Yeah, what up, Dean? What up, Dean? Dean and I are LinkedIn official. Oh, really? Yeah, man. Dang. We're doing business. I don't like that. Um, I'm pretty sure that your mom followed me on some stuff too, actually. Yeah, and she followed the, we, oh, hey, we have a, our podcast has a Twitter now. Yeah. And my mom followed that. Okay. So I think we're Facebook official. We're, I think she followed on Twitter and I think she might've followed me on Instagram too. I get, I get good referrals from you. Um, yeah. Thanks. Shout out to her for the love on Twitter and, uh, you can catch us. What is it? W-K-L-Y catch up pod Yep. at weekly catch up pod, but weekly is W-K-L-Y. Yeah. That's the username until something else better comes available. Yeah, weekly, weekly catch up pod is 16 characters and Twitter requires 15 or less. Anyway. Um, yeah. Shout out to all of our family members who are listening. Well, I'm sure we'll shout you out again at the end of the episode. Um, what's our, back what, to, what's our plan for that Twitter account? 
Um, like, how, I, wh- I think what kind should, of vibe do you want? I kind of want to start like teasing stories, like, like, um, like the one that I got from my little trip that I just went on. Like, I kind of want to be able to tease, like, what we'll be talking about this week. You know what I mean? But if it's already published, like, typically we don't know what we're going to say until we say it. Sometimes, but you know, if we take notes, like there, there are times where I'm going to be like, "Hey, I want to talk about this on the, on the thing." So we're going to be like, we're or next next week. We're going to talk about. So so throughout the week, so we record typically on Wednesdays. So let's right. say it's a Monday, and I'm like, "Oh, dude, this crazy thing happened," like, and then I might just te- I might just send out a tweet like teasing it. But I don't know. We'll think. Well, I think that we should play with all of that. You should post whatever at any time. I put a placeholder tweet that did well, I thought. Yeah. Um, just I, I tweeted a couple of things just to give it some life. Yeah. Um, and, and then it, we got our first five followers and I was like, all right, I don't want to like always be posting this. But at the same time, the more I thought about if we ever have guests or uh, guest hosts whenever one of us is out or anything like that, I was like, we need to have like, this isn't just yours or mine. Yeah. It's like, it's it's its own thing. Right. So it, I don't even know why we did that. Um, I think I just had a spare account that I edited <laughs> into that. Yeah. Um, I was trying to get it off my plate, but, um, it just seemed appropriate with, we swapped out all the YouTube artwork to the new, to the new cover art. Yeah. And it shares nicely on social media cards right. now and all of that good stuff. So I'm happy about that. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll think of more ideas. Yeah, things that we can do. I, th- I think there's some pretty cool stuff, but I'm not going to spitball right now. It's not a it's not a signal that we're going to do all social media either, just because I really don't want to. No, nah. I don't want to keep up with that. Um, I feel like we were pretty intentional about we bought the uh, the URL and then never did anything else. Yeah. You know, it, well, YouTube, YouTube's an undertaking and nobody watches that. <laughs> but I think that we're getting closer to recording some of this yeah. we're, we're trying this out yeah, we, in a different location than normal video along with our audio yeah we'll have to get that that set set up what yeah. were you about to say well we, we were, i was just going to go back to the halftime show because you were asking me my thoughts on oh yeah sorry on it after we saw the middle class women um get angry at it and so what <laughs> Like, (laughs) (laughs) thanks for bringing us back to that potent thought there. So uh, I'd like to redirect to your original statement and say, so So what? what? (laughs) Um, I enjoyed it. Can we go back for a minute so I can disagree? Not every, everything can't can't be for everyone. And you know, that halftime show was for me. So, (laughs) (laughs) wow. (laughs) It's good to see you finally be truthful about something on this podcast. (laughs) Usually you're just like, I don't agree with that hot thing. (laughs) Um, I I, I thought it was great. Um, I just can't believe that put together those two women are 93 years old. Dang. Like makes me want to go and ask a bunch of 20 and 30 year olds. What are y'all doing? (laughs) (laughs) Myself included. Um, I went out of belt loop over the last week, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm gonna have to uh shed that okay i want to go back to so we talked we were talking about super bowl because that started the week off i want to talk about sunday through wednesday of last week um so we had the super bowl Mm -hmm. congrats casey chiefs kelsey um uh great performance 
uh, Mahomey, yeah, just the whole squad. Andy Reid, very proud. Andy Reid deserved that more than any of those boys did. No so, doubt. Uh, really happy for them. Um, going into Monday, we had the Iowa caucus meltdown. Mm-hmm. Shout out Mayor Pete for winning um, yeah. with your shadowy. <laughs> yeah, all the shade to shadow. All the shade to shadow. Um, I want to get into Tuesday, which was the, the State the- of the Union address. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, obviously, I mean, we can talk about Wednesday first if you want. Trump got acquitted. You know, we knew that yeah. that was going to happen going into Tuesday's State of the Union. I have a segue from the acquittal and so let's let's talk about the okay. other one first. So, State of the Union, the things that I loved about the State of the Union was that he never once addressed the impeachment controversy. First of all, did you watch it? No. Okay. I, I was in I could yeah. I watched it wall to wall and I very much enjoy that kind of thing. Like I watch every State of the Union like a nerd, but uh, and I cry through the entire thing. Like, really? Oh, cuz they always Presidents always bring in real life Americans that typically it's from a uh, a group that they are trying to recruit from as well. Um, so it's it, it looks like America, but typically it's like here's somebody that you might not have expected to have benefited from one of the policies that I put into place. Mm. And um, we're going to get into that, but yeah, I always cry during the the um, State of the Union. Um, but the big things were. First of all, not all the Democrats win. I know AOC boycotted and, you know, typical federal employee taking a day off, you know, <laughs> that's how I feel about that. Um, <laughs> don't infer anything, folks. Um, but uh, yeah, AOC took the night off, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully she got to make a dance video for Twitter. <laughs> um, <laughs> you think it was a rain dance? I don't know. I don't really care. Um, we elected her to do a job. She should do it. Yeah. Um, and actually, I say that because I think she's a, a threatening, fo- not a threatening force. I think she's an effective force for certain policies that I do not agree with. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, so the interesting things, we had some boycotts. We had some people that walked out on the Democrat side and then, you know, just virtue signaled the crap out of it on Twitter. I just walked out of the State of the Union. I couldn't take it anymore. Uh, I'm thinking specifically of Tim Ryan, who doesn't seem to be that type of dramatic crybaby, but he was that night. I thought it was very attention fetching. Um, you know, the guy comes in, he turns on the speaker and, you know, Mr. Vice President and Madam Speaker, the President of the United States. Yeah. And then like all the Republicans and everybody get up and they always go, hey, you know, like it's a, a big hoopla. And he walks in, he's getting handshakes on both sides. He goes up. He presents the speech to Vice President Pence and to Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. Hmm. He hands her the book that has the speech in it, and she goes to shake his hand. And he looks at her and turns around to the podium and stiffs her on the handshake. It was pretty blatant and obvious. She proceeds to act like, a disgruntled senior, honestly, <laughs> like she just kind of has, you know, like our grandmothers would like those yeah. eyes that kind of like, she's like always looking around and mm-hmm. I, very distracting like throughout the entire speech. Do something about this? Well, and she was also trying to manage her own party because oh. the, sometimes they would have like a kind of an outburst in, in you know, response to something he'd said or, yeah. you know, she's always been big about maintain your decorum, Democrats, blah, 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 blah. Well, anyway, he goes through his speech, which was. 
man, it was hard to argue with. Um, so it was basically three years ago, you elected me president and these are all the policies that I've put into place and here are the results. And so a good 20 minutes of the speech was just the unemployment rates and the jobless rates for virtually every group under the sun, like, you know, um, black Americans, Asian Americans, Hispanic Americans, uh, you know, all these different demographics and groups, they've never, uh, had more jobs. There's never been less unemployment. We have the Mm -hmm. best economy pretty much in the history of our economy. Um, this is what's happened to the stock market. Um, you know, even down to, what was the example I was about to use? Um, oh, oh, he said uh, 10 million people had been lifted off of food stamps during his administration because mm. the economy was so good. And like he was basically taking people off of various assistance or entitlement programs, however you choose yeah, to look at it. Right. Um, I actually think that there's a place for welfare in our society. You know, it's a necessary thing. Yep. Uh, but I, I think there should always be a path to get people off of it. And following their own calling and purpose and to not abuse it. Yeah. To not abuse it. Um, I mean that has to do with the war on drugs as well, in my opinion, which should stop, but that's a whole nother situation. So anyway, he stiffs Pelosi on the handshake. He goes through all of his accomplishments. And then the thing that I thought was interesting that the media reflected on was that Trump's claim to fame, like what he does better than anything is what? Reality television. Yeah. Or make it me, you know, one in the same, one in the same. Yeah. Be dramatic. You know, he, you know, he's had his various business ventures. Yes. He's a billionaire. Um, yes, there's been some flops along the way. I don't think anybody is claiming that he's the most genius businessman in the world. I think that he did take however many million he got from Fred Trump and turned it into however many billion he actually has. So whatever you're going to say about the dude, he is a billionaire. Um, but what was the point of me saying that? I mean, you're just going over his speech or, or whatever he was talking about. He stiffed the handshake. Yeah, he no, after and, that. He went and said everything that he's done in office and then what? Yeah, so he was just going through all the finances of everything, how he's lifted all these different groups. Oh, reality TV. Yeah. Um, so the media was reflecting on that because typically a president will bring in different people in the, um, the first lady's gallery. So the first lady's gallery has the family and it has the different people that he's going to highlight that have benefited from various policy initiatives. So in this part was wild. Sitting next to Melania was Rush Limbaugh. Do you know who that is? Yeah. And I know that he's been diagnosed, right? Or he just got diagnosed. He, I think it might've been the same day or the day before had announced to his radio audience, which is like 20 million people. Like he's the conservative godfather of, of AM radio, essentially. Um, he's made a lot of money doing that, but the, the conservative, right. I even saw like people that I'd grown up with, like their moms on social media and stuff this week, basically saying like, Oh, rush. Like, you know, he was diagnosed with advanced stage four lung Lung cancer. cancer. And he's going to be taking a backseat certain days on the show. He he won't be broadcasting as much as he goes through treatment and all of this stuff. He was sitting next to Melania and he got an impromptu presidential medal of freedom. Wow. Melania had it in her pocket and Trump called him out in the middle of the speech and said, I'm going to give you the highest honor in the land. Rush Limbaugh starts crying Hmm. and he says, I'm going to transmit it to you via Melania. That sounds really 
wrong. <laughs> I'm going to bestow it upon you yeah. via Melania. <laughs> Forgive me. I think I had cor coronavirus on the mind. <laughs> Had sushi for lunch, so <laughs> uh, I'm playing. I didn't have sushi. I don't want the one two. I like that. Um, so anyway, that was kind of crazy, and a lot of he he must go further than just being a conservative voice on radio with a wide following. Uh, I think he must have been one of the first ones to do that kind of model because the outpouring from the right that I saw towards him was just shocking, given the fact that the left probably thinks that he's Satan. Literally. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Like, they that's think, what I saw. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw, oh, lung cancer, too bad. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were not kind. But apparently he hasn't been kind to, like, I guess he made fun of, like, Michael J. Fox and some other people with diseases, and so they were like, this is what you get. I mean, he's a he's a – Fiscally conservative, good old boy. Yeah. You know, he likes his smoke. He likes his drink. He likes his women. He likes to carouse. He likes having money. He likes looking down on folk. He likes going and being a bee to a food service worker after church gets out. <laughs> like that's he's yeah. middle class fancy to a T. Yeah. You know, um, anyway, I thought that was interesting. He had other moments where he just really capitalized on highlighting people in the audience. Mm -hmm. Like he had a. Um, he had an African-American man sitting in the, the first lady's gallery that had been uh, separated from his family. Uh, two years ago, he'd been separated from his family. He'd been strung out on drugs, total junkie, uh, homeless. And now because of this uh, opportunity zone uh, mm -hmm. situation that uh, you know the Republicans pushed through, first of all, he highlighted Governor Tim Scott or governor. No. Senator Tim Scott, okay. who is like the only one of the only African-American Republican senators or congressmen who pushed through this Opportunity Zone fund situation, which yeah. is part of the I think it was part of the tax incentive plan or something like that. Um, but essentially, he highlighted him, which was, according to the leftist media, of course, mm -hmm. uh, strategic. But he highlighted him for the Opportunity uh, Zone funds, because what those are is it's a tax haven for people who want to offload like capital gains okay. onto property in historically disadvantaged or under underdeveloped areas that if you hold on to the property for a matter of 10 years and put 50% of the property's value back into the property, like if you do all these different things, basically if you provide an influx of capital into an otherwise disadvantaged area, other commerce and other good things on the block will start to happen. Okay. It's been – this is how the left packages things though. They're like, this is a tax cut for the wealthy and the wealthy get wealthier. But sometimes it's also uh, directed into these do-good parameters where it's yeah. like my cousin's property up in Broken Bow, Oklahoma is an opportunity zone. So technically it's an it's a area where you could take the money that you've gotten from your capital gains and if you don't want to pay taxes on it or the same amount of taxes – you could go up and buy some property. You could build a cabin or some sort of business that yields more returns, mm -hmm. and the entire area flourishes. Because yeah. if you put if you put a bank on a street, the banker has to eat lunch somewhere. He's right. got to fill up his car somewhere. So the whole premise being like you know start and it'll mm -hmm. eventually go. So he's highlighting this African American gentleman who is now as a result of being in an opportunity zone. He has a job. He's clean. He's reunited with his family. Blah 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 blah. Everybody's crying. Everybody's clapping. He's waving. You know, he's yeah. in a 
target demographic that Trump was obviously going for all night. Trump thinks that he can shave another five points off the African-American vote. Hmm. And if he does that, like it's already going to be a potential landslide in my opinion. Um, But we'll we'll get back into that. Um, He had, he highlighted a woman who uh, was there with her child and how her husband had been overseas serving in like a particular area that he was highlighting. And then he sprung the husband coming in and like surprising them in the middle of the speech, a different reality TV moments like that. Right. Um, And then he, he also talked about starting the, the space force and okay. He, there was a, a little African-American boy in the crowd that he asked to stand up and he said, you know, I forget his name, but, you know, little Jimmy mm-hmm. wants to be in the Space Force one day. And we're elated that he can go and do that. Um, by the way, Jimmy is sitting next to his grandfather, who is 100 years old and an original member of the Tuskegee Airmen. And mm-hmm. so then that guy's in full, you know, military His outfit. Yeah. yeah. And it, you realize like, why is he highlighting this little boy that wants to be in the space force? Like yeah. what a, what a stretch. But then he ties it back to the grandfather and it was like, goodness. And then he had a little girl in the projects that was going to get to experience school choice. And she got a scholarship live in the speech. Like, right. Um, it was a good speech. Pulled out all the stuff. Difficult. So once he gets done giving the speech, everybody is standing up and clapping Pelosi separates his speech transcript into three separate stacks and proceeds to rip each of the stacks in half mm-hmm. and throw them to the side. So that was basically the most gifable moment from the entire situation was yeah, the fact that no he doubt. stiffed her on the handshake. They hadn't spoken since September or October of last year Okay, um, as she like did all the uh, impeachment proceedings and all of that good stuff. Yeah. So uh, you cut the t- that tension with a knife. Um, he he did well from from a ones and zeros perspective, man. Like, yeah, I've talked to um, I'm not going to put anybody on blast, but I've talked no. to like management consultants and people that are in the spreadsheets, you know, that mm-hmm. are like m- more emotionless about these kind of uh, decisions yeah. uh, about their future and livelihood. And they're like, dude, from a tariff perspective, the the leverage that he applied over here, this new trade deal, like. Um, the economy, like it's difficult to, to not make a case for his mm-hmm. reelection. If you're just thinking about things, if you're not thinking about things from a tone perspective, like right. my recommendation is always don't follow him on Twitter. Don't look for what he's saying. Just, you know, he, look he has the results for the most part. And I, I don't want to get too deep in here, but he hasn't done anything to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I know people are so stuck on his tone and stuff, but then you know, I have friends that are starting businesses that haven't started businesses under any other administration. Yeah. I just did my taxes, you know, like I've had friends that have done their taxes and they're like, well, boy, made more money last year, mm-hmm. got a bigger tax refund. What's going on? You know, that kind of thing is difficult. And when he gave he, every family has a better tax dedu- or what's it called? Um, the minimum deduction or whatever it is, the individual whatever the tax deductible? situation is better okay. um, now yeah no deductible is what i filed yeah, yeah today yeah. okay had a car accident last night mm, and i have not heard yeah anything i'll, about I'll tell you about that in a second yeah. um great speech the day of the speech uh he hit the high water mark for his approval rating on gallup at 49 percent of americans wow. approving of the job that he's doing that number is higher than Barack Obama 
at wow. the same point in his presidency going into his reelection 2012 campaign year. That's, I mean, if you look at all the hoopla uh, surrounding Trump, that you wouldn't expect that number. Here's the thing. Everybody always like goes to Montana or freaking like, uh, you know, let's go to the Rust Belt. Like <laughs> here we are in Pennsylvania with, you know, Leroy and Leroy is smoking a Pall Mall and leaning on his truck. Why'd you vote for Trump, Leroy? And he's like, well, good old American values, you know, like yeah. they do stupid stuff like that. They don't know how many white collar executives voted for Trump, how many suburban housewives voted for Trump and how so many of those people have been ostracized at different points in this presidency thus far based on tone and rhetoric. Yeah. But then when it comes time to put the pedal to the metal and step into the voting booth and he just got acquitted, the economy is at an all time high. He's going to recycle the majority of those voters, in my opinion. What people don't know are the amount of voters, even on the Republican side, that he's converted for this election cycle. I have multiple people in my personal network who are like, we crunched. They, they wouldn't dream of voting for him the first time. They voted independent. They wrote somebody in. They did whatever they could to not vote for Trump. Mm -hmm. Three and a half years later, I have multiple people in my personal network that have said, and even like rationalized to me, here's why I have to, like yeah. it would be in my best interest to do this. Yeah. So I, I think that's something that the Democrats think that he, it's just a base play for him. Like the, the medal of freedom going to Rush Limbaugh is just a base play, but he's spreading it out because every person that he showed in the gallery that had benefited from a fiscal policy mm -hmm. was an African-American. And so that really showed some of the pundits, you know, like in the after analysis, he thinks he already got a couple percentage points of the African-American male voters. Hmm. And Van Jones himself was out on CNN saying, we need to be cognizant of this as hmm. Democrats. Like he's going to get more this time, yeah. you know, like this kind of outreach is going to go places. Right. So wow. anyway, that was the. Democrats imploding last week. Yeah, weekend. thanks for breaking that down. That's, yeah. that's very interesting. Well, I definitely wanted to talk State of the Union um, and all of that good yeah. stuff. And yeah, I did I did get into a, a wreck last night. Yeah, you mentioned that Dude. in passing and said you were going to talk about so, it on here. So what's going on? Yeah, so uh, you, my new office is over by the American Airlines Center. And depending on what time you're leaving work, like you might come out and there's like a game and there's lines mm -hmm. of people crossing the street and cops directing traffic everywhere. And like, it can kind of be a crapshoot. Well, last night, uh, the Mavericks were playing. So it was starting to heat up a little bit. Like it yeah. was still a little bit light outside, but it had just started raining again and it was cold and wet. And, um, I'm just going home like right on victory. Actually. I yeah. hadn't even, I, I was like one light out of the office type deal and a minivan in the far right lane decided at the last moment, I think they missed their parking garage or something like that. Mm -hmm. So they decided to flip a U-turn from the right lane right there. Right. And I just slammed into yeah. them. Like I, 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 we hit hard, like it destroyed the front of my car on the passenger side. Okay. Cosmetically, it's yeah. still drivable, but anyway, we kind of both pull over and there's already cops like walking over to it, just yeah. moseying over to us because they saw it happen and they're already out directing traffic. And mm -hmm. um, so a couple gets out of the car and 
I decided to try to play it nice. Like I knew that I wasn't at fault. I'm proud of you. Um, and I was just like, are you okay to the woman? And then yeah. the man got out. Are you okay? I was really just trying to be concerned about their safety. And then a little boy got out and he was like holding his neck and stuff. Oh, <laughs> and, no. Um, to be honest with you, I think what was happening there based on what I overheard them saying and what it looked like was that they're taking their little boys to the game for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that the boy was belted in is my guess. I'm pretty sure this kid ricocheted off a headrest or something, something happened because it looked like, I don't know, but me and the cop were like talking to the kid. Like, do you need an ambulance? Do you need Mm -hmm. any help? Like, you know, they'd already asked me like, are you good? And I was like, I'm good. Like, you know, um, inconvenience, but (laughs) I'm I'm fine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm like I hope my colleagues aren't driving by right now. <laughs> so anyway, um I, I think it was one of those situations where the kid was gonna be hurt until they said, Well, do you want to go to the hospital instead of the game? And he's like, No, I'm no, fine. Yeah. Like But uh they were like, Maybe we'll go after and I was like, You're not gonna go. Right. Like anyway, they uh but they were very apologetic and the the cop didn't even write a report. Okay. Like I pretty much just took photographs of everything. I got his name and badge number, his phone number mm-hmm. in case I needed him as a witness. And um, anyway, went home, like called their insurance. They had me download an app for Allstate, take photos of everything. I already have a quote that, really? yeah, they totally undershot me on the quote. Oh. I think because I took the photos in the dark, but yeah. <laughs> with flash. <laughs> I'm like, it's worse than you think. Yeah. I need more money. <laughs> you didn't shoot it with night mode? Come on, bro. I could have edited those. <laughs> I don't have an iPhone XS 11, whatever. I'm, I'm about to upgrade though. Nice. Um, so anyway, I, I had to take it in and, oh man. You have a rental right now or? Yeah. yeah. Um, so no, 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 no. I just Ubered. I'm just oh. going to Uber around town because right now it's just, um, they're going to have to do a gap estimate where mm-hmm. it's like, we know that Allstate said through an app that they're going to pay you this much, which I could take through direct deposit right yeah. now. Like, I'm literally on the phone with them today and they're like, we could have the money in your account in an hour. Yeah. And I'm like, you, you're going to fight for a little bit more money, right? Or no? Well, that's the, that's the hard thing because the car is like, the car is beat up. Yeah. And they offered me $1,500 to fix the bumper and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I feel like it's going to be more than that. But what I've learned is that right now I can take the money and run. Yeah. So right now I could just ask for the 1500 and it could be direct deposited, put on my debit card, whatever. Yeah, get a new vehicle. Um, or well, I would still have this. the vehicle. It would yeah. still be drivable. I would have $1,500, but I would have a clearer path to like, there's other dings in the car. There's other clear mechanical issues that I've been waiting to address essentially. Yeah. Like, and I was about to actually take it into the dealership, but then this kind of thing happens and it's mm-hmm. like, I've, I've been wrecked in cars where I needed to get rid of the car anyway. Yeah. And what I've done before is like, I've collected the insurance money and then still sold it. Mm-hmm. I've made profit on cars doing that. Yeah. Um, I totaled a civic off a of Hummer one time and I collected like $1,800 from the insurance company. And then I sold it for $2,000 and the trunk was full of loose dog food because the bag had exploded back there. And he's like, what's up with this? And I was like, take it or leave it, buddy. Bill of sales happening right now. Yeah. Woof, woof. So I bought that car for $4,400 coming out of college and yeah. I sold it for $4,500 when everything was said yeah, and done three years go. later. 
So, but this car was my first car off a lot, you know, like with a warranty and a handshake and it only has 78,000 miles on it. But at the same time, I bought it for so cheap, like eight years ago now. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, well, what's the, what's the walk away number? Yeah. Cause as it currently stood, it meant more to me than its numerical value on the street. Yeah. You know? Right. Anyway, but that happened. I'm fine. I think those I'm kids are okay. fine. I'm glad they're okay. Too. I hope they made it into the game. I felt really bad about them. Um, yeah. But anyway, I, the Allstate woman today got a real attitude with me. Um, really? Yeah. Why? So I had done everything. I'd called Allstate on the way home from the wreck. And like they'd put me into the mobile app. I'd taken all these photos, scanned my VIN number, set up the application, done all this different stuff. And then they call me. And I'd gotten the quote this morning and I'd just woken up and, you know, I wake up mad sometimes and I saw the, the low quote, uh, figure and I was just like, oh, this isn't going to work. So then somebody called me and I was like, yeah, actually glad you called. This isn't going to work. And so they said, well, you're going to need to talk to Miss Stacy. She'll be in contact later. So Miss Stacy calls, I call her right back. She doesn't answer. I leave her a detailed voicemail. Just try to dial her again. 20 minutes later, she answers. We talk. And she's like, okay, you've done everything that you can possibly do. Thanks for being a good citizen that didn't gripe over getting hit and or being, you know, impeded. Yeah. <laughs> um, thanks for doing everything you need to do. I just need to make contact with the insured and so that I can release the liability. And I was like, okay. Um, and she said, I've already reached out several times, so we'll just see when that happens. And I was uh... like, so my next steps are kind of barred by the fact that you haven't made contact with them, even though this happened, like my reality is currently wrecked vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> and also the little nugget in the story is that the driver did not speak English. Okay. Mm -hmm. So only the passenger spoke English. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I explained that to her tactfully. I was like, so I said, big question. What happens if you don't make contact? Yeah. Like I just asked that question. No, good. Like, I was like, should. I was like, I think that I think it's a, an ESL family, at least partially. And I don't know what their schedule is, but you know, am I going to be impeded from next steps with like filing the supplemental claim or, or estimate with my preferred body shop yeah. until you make contact? Like that's very scary. And she literally got an attitude with me. She was like, well, they've been insured with us for 36 years. So I'm sure we'll make contact. They, she said, this just happened yesterday, Carson. Give it a rest. Whoa. She was like, we'll make Whoa. contact with them. And I was like, first of all, they haven't been all, all state insurance customers for 36 years because they weren't 36 years old. Yeah. So unless they were insured in the womb, like, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Second of all, drop your attitude with me now. Like, yeah. <laughs> don't you dare. I've done everything in my power. Yeah. Dang, I was so mad about that. And but she literally said, this just happened yesterday. And I was like, listen, I know that you get off at 4 p.m. according to your voicemail, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just thinking about like how you're driving and then you're the cause of an accident. And then you continue driving to the Mavericks game just to watch them lose to the Jazz. <laughs> <laughs> they're like well <laughs> wish we hadn't gone out tonight the dodge caravan is ruined yeah. as is our team spirit guess we'll see if neighborhood doctor still open <laughs> wow yeah i felt bad for that little kid um 
I mean, do you think he <sighs> cried more in the accident or after the loss? <laughs> I don't know what happened to you at Technology Trip, but you're funnier and more truthful today. You're a little darker. It's very refreshing. Thanks, man. I caught up on sleep. It's probably this 14 consecutive days of rain and cold that we're experiencing. Yeah. Hey, uh-huh. uh, you were talking about an acquittal. Um, I have some. I have a must heard. <laughs> Do you have a segue, Brad? Yeah. Um, you want to know who did not get acquitted? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it's already funny. <laughs> Well, today, our friend Jesse Smollett oh, snap. got indicted. For what? For his little lie that he told about <laughs> being beaten up. Right, right. I understand that. For what, though? What was the indictment for? Um, I thought they dropped all charges. Like, what no, charge is it? No, it was for, for being that. a hoaxer and a huckster? Yeah. Um, oh, I thought they dropped that. No, no. Uh, continue to talk. Juicy Smouye. <laughs> as Dave Chappelle would call him. Well, I love that you like didn't watch the State of the Union, but you're like mustard no, on Juicy Smouye. No, Smoo-yay. this happened like... Right now? Like it like it was uh, breaking news whenever I walked into your place. So <laughs> Chicago probably had like 30 murdered yeah. over the weekend. They're like, we the, can at least get juicy. <laughs> this is the news that I live for. Um, Jesse Smollett accused of lying to CPD indicted on six counts of disorderly conduct. Okay. Uh, So we talked about him in one of our first, if not the first, uh, podcast episode. And we've joked about him here and there. Um, But he was an actor on the show Empire. And um, he had lied and said that he was attacked because, like, it was an alleged uh, racist and anti-gay attack. Um, And he ended up lying. And I guess, what was it, that he had hired... Uh, these men to attack are you, him. Are you looking to recap the original sin? Well, I'm just he claimed I'm, that he was attacked in the street by yeah. two red hat wearing white guys that screamed, "This is MAGA country!" Called him the uh, derogatory f word um, for gay people, yeah. and then poured bleach on him and a noose around his neck after beating him up, even though it looked like he had like two little perfect cuts under his eyes or something like that. But as it turns out, he hired two Nigerian brothers (laughs) to just be in the area. I think I don't even know if they laid hands on him or what the deal was, but, um, and then he, he staged everything. Uh, they were, uh, shown purchasing rope (laughs) at a local convenience or hardware store, like hours before the attack, he paid by check like an idiot. (laughs) Um, I'm surprised the memo line didn't say MAGA attack, (laughs) but (laughs) Anyway, um, he still had the noose around his neck whenever the cops knocked on his door 45 minutes later. Yeah. So anyway, so, glad glad that that happened because, man, I mean. Times are already tough enough. How dare you, like, lie about that kind of thing? Well, and just, I mean, I think the Chicago um, uh, police PD? superintendent, uh, the chief of police, was, yeah. like, the most impactful with his statements surrounding that where he's like, man as an African-American myself, you know, like this is the last thing that we need, you know, like we can't be doing this. Like, yeah, <laughs> this doesn't help our overall cause. Exactly. Um, when you cry wolf, when you stage attacks like this, when you do it in such, I mean, he learned a thing from Lee Daniels, you know, how to write a script, man. Yeah. Cause you know, down to the language, down to the props, down to, he's obviously an actor. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of actors, uh, Oscars? did you watch the Oscars? I did. I watched a lot of it. 
Okay, I didn't watch a whole lot actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I thought it was pretty good. They had, I don't think they had a host this year. They just had a bunch of random celebrities like a- around. The I saw Maya venue. Rudolph and Kristen and Kristen Wig. Wig. Yeah, yeah, but that was only just a segment. Um, yeah. But let's see, best. Uh, oh yeah, best picture was Parasite, which I gave a shout yeah. out. Um, and again, I highly recommend that movie. Was it the um, first non-English? The first non-English, yeah. Um, so that was really cool, and it was really cool to see the director uh, Bong Juno, <laughs> as they call him, um, and just how excited and Bongiorno, <laughs> Bongiorno, no, Bong Juno. <laughs> Um, and just how happy and elated he was to win. He won four awards that night. Oh, wow. And he did not expect it at all. He's like, by his third award, he's like, oh, I had already started drinking. Like, I thought I was done for the night. And he just kept making these comments about how he's just going to be partying all night. But, (laughs) um, but he was just like so proud of all of his actors and actresses. Like whenever they received the award, he made like all of them stand up so everybody could give them like an ovation. And, um, yeah, he was, he was just, it was just really fun to watch. Um, but yeah, so he, or that one best film, best actor went to Joaquin Phoenix for the Joker. Like, I think we all saw that coming. Um, I still haven't seen it. No, no. Um, not my favorite movie and it was really dark, but I, I mean, I think anyone would agree that it was an incredible performance. Um, right on a lot. Shout out. Very talented. Brad Pitt won Best Supporting Actor for his role in um, Once Upon a Time. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, Renee Zellweger won Best Actress for her role in Judy, which is about Judy Garland. Uh, I didn't even know that film existed until yeah. <laughs> until I watched the o- Oscars, but you know, good for her. Um, <laughs> what then, a what a underhanded. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I do want to check out the film, like, and I probably will. Hmm. Um, I just yeah. I gotta I gotta see. I heard some negative feedback as to like the latest work that she's had done or something. And to be honest, I never have thought that you Renee mean like cosmetics. Yes, I yeah. never thought Renee had much going for her in that department to begin yeah. with. I thought she had a pinched face. Seemed but, like a lot of Botox going on, but you know. Yeah. It's, yeah. Whatever. Remember when she was married to Kenny Chesney for like four months? <laughs> yeah. Back when he was in his puka shells and like five four and right. <laughs> Well, I mean, a little the, tank top. And only, like, only one of those has changed. Like, he, I guess he's not wearing puka shells anymore. But is he not? I don't know. He certainly hasn't gotten taller. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that dude was at the top of country music for yeah. quite a few seasons. He was like yeah. the new Jimmy Buffett. That's what he was trying to be. He, yeah. He's all like beach, That's beach country, true. you know. And then Zach Brown Band came out and had their toes in the water and their hmm. ass in the sand. <laughs> And yeah, they took it from there. Can we, uh, can oh, we, can we back up to Brad real quick? Just a sec. I'm just going to say Laura Dern won best supporting actress for She's her cool. role in marriage story, which I definitely agree that she deserves, uh, that award, but marriage story was also, um, one of the candidates for best picture. And I didn't, I just didn't, uh, agree with that, but I think maybe I've talked about that before, but just not, I mean, good performances, but. I don't know. It was just okay. Anyway, back to Brad. Brad, Brad Pitt. Pitt. Yeah, you know that was his first ever Oscar. Really? Yeah, he'd never won an Oscar prior to that role. Good for him. I mean, I don't. What else would he? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Troy. 
<laughs> kissing a dude like they, they gave that to Brokeback like yeah well I think there was some acting involved as well <laughs> uh, yeah I mean I mean if, um, you, if you're gonna commit commit you know yeah that, that's the one part of acting that would be difficult for me I think I could kiss oh, all the no girls doubt. no problem yeah. <laughs> I think I'd love that part but right um the boys that'd be a little bit more difficult for me right um just because yep. I'm not I'm not deep into that craft but yeah going back to Brad I, uh, he's wins first Oscar ever for best supporting actor. And that's cool. I actually put this in bold italics okay. on my uh, show notes in four years. Brad Pitt will be 60. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> like, first of all, how old are we? Second hey, of all, dude. how do we look like him? <laughs> like <Yeah>. now <laughs> money? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We need this podcast to really take yeah. off. We need this podcast to win an Oscar. <laughs> Dang. I mean, He'll be 60 in four years. Yeah, that's wild. How is J-Lo 50? He's 60. By the way, Fran Drescher is back on TV. Is she? She looks hot. I've always been a Fran Drescher fan. I think she is a... Yeah, just you like that kind of obnoxious, annoying... Sexy cougar. Yeah. That's my stuff. Um, Um, Speaking of sexy cougars, did you see Gail King on CBS? I Um, saw that she caught some heat, right? So... I was at dinner the other night and somebody brought up, they loved our last podcast show, which was the death episode, Kobe, yeah. you know, what does it mean? You know, yeah. um, all of that. And they said, we loved all your reflections. But... We think that you missed an opportunity. And I was like, what? And they go, well, the allegations. And I immediately was like, get out of here. Yeah. Like, I was like, like, no, I, I said, we know that that didn't happen the way that that narrative shows it. Right. I thought that at the time, I think that yeah, now. I've- yeah. And they were like, well, it could have been an opportunity. And no. I was like, it's not time or place. But apparently, we found the time and place about a week later. About a week after his death, week and a half. Yeah. Now we it can became talk about more it mainstream. Because somebody talked about it whenever they shouldn't have. Like, she caught a lot of heat for that. I, like, Snoop Dogg got involved and well, a bunch of. Anyway, explain what happened first. I guess Gail asked Lisa Leslie. That's her name, right? Lisa Leslie? Uh, maybe. I Top remember. WNBA yeah. player. Yeah, I think yeah, she's yeah. retired now. And she said she asked about that allegation. Like, what role should that play in his legacy? And Lisa was basically like, step off, girl. Like, you know, that shouldn't be associated with his legacy. Like, blah, blah, blah. And for the record, I mean, I know that powerful men and men in general do terrible things every single day. Every single day of life. Yep. I do think that based on everything else that he showed us, and some of the material physical evidence that was present at the scene, mm-hmm. which included um, it included artifacts from multiple men, let's say. Yep. Okay. And one of them was we're talking. We're talking about semen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. We're talking about sailors. All right. <laughs> um, yeah. No, she had multiple men's DNA in her panties. Yeah. All right. And she was like 19 or 20. Uh, she settled out of court for a large sum of money. He has never had another allegation like no. this. He's also beautiful, wealthy, legend, hero. It's yeah. not to say that he can't make a bad decision. It's simply to say that I don't think he was in the practice of doing so, no. needing to do so. And he totally copped the cheating on Vanessa. He was like, listen, yep. I was unfaithful. Like I had sex with her. I yep. did, but it was consensual. So, you know, it's been hard because... I also have in my show notes. I, did you see my boy Archer Fear? No. Okay. Do you know who that is? Yeah, the comedian. Yeah. 
So I saw him in show, like live in show last year. Yeah. 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 We hung out. We took a picture. I love him. He's on Rogan all the time. He's part of the sober October crew. Mm -hmm. Really funny dude. Um, he has this thing where he goes on social media and as proximate to the passing of whoever was special as he can, he will trash them. Yeah. Like when Mr. What happened to Mr. Peanut? recently like he was retired or something like that he went on a rant about that guy like he trashes you on your gravestone right well he posted a tweet about oh great like kobe bryant died 23 years too late today you know it's crazy to see how the hollywood elite um they they like winning lakers basketball games more than they dislike rape I'm so glad that he's dead. What a great day. Hashtag F the Lakers. Like, and then did a video that was just basically mocking the death. And, oh, he even said something like, hey, way to not gas the chopper up, homeboy. Like, just he really laid into him. And people, I saw it happen, like, within the first several hours. And, like, he was getting a lot of engagement. It was one of those where, like, the the, the comments were five times the retweets, (laughs) which is never a good sign. Right. and he got into serious trouble. He got death threats. His um, his casting agency, his entertainment agency pulled their uh, affiliation with him. Mm-hmm. He had canceled shows. He got death threats. He All the comedians' podcasts, including Rogan, Fighter and the Kid, every single one of them had to address the Ari Shafir incident because right. he ended up posting uh, like a 10-page letter on Twitter, like where you have to scroll through type deal, yeah. just talking about, Hey, like I have a niche dark following. They enjoy the way that I roast people on the day of their death. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize what a legend, you know, this was going to end up being. I've always historically hated the Lakers and made yeah. that very much known. And so he writes this long kind of uh, explanation, explanation slash apology slash. Do you see it from my side now? Yeah. But then still finished it with like f the Lakers, yeah, because <laughs> he still feels that way. Mm-hmm. And some people have accepted it. Uh, in the interim, he's disabled the retweet feature on, on Twitter Okay, and I, I, people have recommended going into hiding because he got, he got killed for the, cause he did it day of, he yeah. did it that Sunday. Yeah. So anyway, when I saw Gail King a week and a half later asking Lisa Leslie, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. this isn't an issue as much anymore. Plus, I'd already gotten the feedback from the podcast listener that we'd missed an opportunity. And I no, was just like, I, I disagree. I, I think that's gross to bring that up. And any like, obviously, we could never have done it. But any, um, you know, celebrity interviewer or any, you had so many years to interview him and ask him these questions whenever he was alive, like. And you're bringing it up now after his death. I think that's just poor taste, um, especially with how the trial went down and how, um, but how the everything was dropped. We're just trying to establish precedence as society because we are so narrow and shallow as a society that we have to think about people and be able to sum up: yay, nay, good, bad relevant not relevant good person bad person in three seconds like bill cosby bad rapist we hate him you know Mm -hmm. terrible america's dad to america's felon you know um kobe bryant oh legend hero but oh there was that one thing like Mm -hmm. does that have any is there a chapter for that in his biography in the future sure i think sure there is because part of the thing that i told the listener i was like 
listen, you didn't want us to cover that because the most inspiring thing about that whole situation was how he came back and hung 70 points every day of court yeah. whenever he would get choppered in <laughs> right. from the courthouse to the game. Yeah. Like that, he'd be wall to wall ESPN. Right. Did we, we didn't already talk about that. I no. feel like I've already I, I, this was my rebuttal to the listener just because I was like, this is, we would have handled it in a much different way than you might have thought. And maybe yeah. that's just what they want from us is to reflect on that. But I don't think that that happened in the, in the way that it was presented. Nah, he wasn't even in the ground yet. Like, I, yeah. Anyway, Ari's thing was art. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, cause you're a big fan of his, like, how are you feeling after that? Like, like what are your thoughts? Well, I saw the tweet just real time, just scrolling through my my Twitter feed, and I I, I clicked on it. I remember clicking on it because I was like, "Ooh, this one's gonna be bad." Yeah. And you could see that other people were in my shoes, and they'd commented where they were like, "They're normal mainstream people, but they like their dark humor as well," mm -hmm. which I definitely do. Um, I think that they were tweeting like. Ouch, Ari, this might be the one that does you in, buddy. Like, yeah. like we love it, but, you know, it's hard because Kobe was on such a different international level, and that was so proven by anybody giving it any amount of flack yeah. in the first several weeks since his death. But um, I don't know, man. Like, I don't really care what you say. Like, it didn't really affect anything to do with Kobe. Kobe's mm -hmm. legacy remains the same. Yeah. Um, I know that it, I knew that it was a joke because I knew that he was a comedian, but I'd also been to a live show of his, I've watched wow. all of his podcasts. Like I, I know his life story. Mm -hmm. So I had all this invested already yeah. into giving him benefit of the doubt and some latitude as a comedian Yeah, you had more context that I was familiar with. I had so much context. So if you just saw that you'd be yeah. freaking outraged, you yeah. know, it'd be terrible. So do you think you like comedians? have that shield of protection like it, it like should we grant them to be able to joke about any like can you go too far um mm, yes but no I, i'd like to say generally no bumper rails on this bowling alley you know yeah. comedy is like you're either going to get a strike or a gutter well yeah yeah like you can choose to roll yourself into the gutter. Like yeah. he has the right to say that. that he yeah, also surely he knew that you know, there was going to be some type of CAA also has the the right to terminate the relationship with yeah. him as a result. You know, right. like different comedians have the right to term different booking gigs mm -hmm. and promoters. Like there's a difference. It goes back to Lizzo. There's a difference between what's morally right or should be legal versus what's tasteful and best for your career. Yeah, I think that this one was too far for his career. I think that it endeared certain fringe fans to his fringe style uh, more impactfully. Yeah, Maybe they feel like they're going through some persecution together. Um, I personally didn't like it. I also didn't think that there hadn't been enough time for him to work out something to actually be funny about it. Mm -hmm. Now, listen, give me a good joke about virtually anything that's maybe 90 days old or more. And right. I'm going to laugh. Like Louis CK's bit about the twin towers mm -hmm. is one of my favorite of all time. Yeah. Like, I, I guess we can't say that one on this, this podcast, no. but uh, look that up people. <laughs> Louis CK twin towers. Um, I'm trying to think of another one. Like, I love all the roasts. Yeah. I mean, if you watch Anthony Jeselnik's, uh, I love Pete D Davidson's bit about the Twin Towers where yeah, he he's roasting J Biebs and he's like, hey, J Biebs, like, 
I lost my dad in the Twin Towers on September 11. And, you know, I miss him a lot. Um, <laughs> but then I saw your dad, Justin, and now I'm glad mine's dead. <laughs> Just like yeah. <laughs> pretty dark stuff. But at the same time, he that was his own personal experience that he could share. Right. Ari had no shared experience with Kobe or anything to say, but I don't know. Yeah. Teach their own. He shouldn't have said it. The thing that I didn't like were comedians like Chris D'Elia even came out on con the Congratulations podcast mm -hmm. and panned it and said he shouldn't have done that. And I was just kind of like, hmm, maybe you shouldn't cast a stone. Yeah. You know? Like, people were on Louie about the leaked set where he makes fun of the Parkland shooting kids. Mm -hmm. And he's like, just because, you know, you didn't get shot doesn't make you a hero. Yeah. <laughs> where he was like, so you just pushed a fat kid in the way and, like, crouched down. Like, I don't want to hear you talk. Like, right. and, which I thought everybody said, oh, the bit's still getting worked out. I thought it was hilarious, yeah. even in its current form. But he's a very dark humor person. Right. Yeah. Anyway. What else you got? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's why we didn't choose to address that because it wasn't even on our radar yeah. to even think about in that respect. Right. Although it's it is when you bring it up, it's hard not to like mm -hmm. in certain ways I thought how many days are going to go by before anybody in the mainstream media says anything about that given the fact that we've just come so far through the Me Too movement and yeah. you know all of these different kind of social justice campaigns that many of them necessary and needed. Yeah, and I totally agree. And I think we should talk about those things. However, just knowing the context, like I don't think you can hold up his allegations compared to other like uh, Me Too movements that have provided more proof and, you know, in which the actors or the, you know, producers or whoever it was taking advantage of women, you know, um, the amount of proof that was there. Yeah. But that's just me. I don't know, man. It's tough. Life is fickle. Um, I hope that we remember Kobe for positive things, but I, I hope that we also provide a comprehensive view of everyone's life and understand yeah. that it's complex. And I've made a lot of, I'm obviously I've never <laughs> assaulted anyone, but I've made mistakes in my life, yeah. not related to that, but just in every area, yeah, you know, so that and, brings up the conversation. Like once we, if you were to make a huge mistake, is it possible for you to grow? And should we allow that person to grow after? Well, what's the timeout period? Like, how long yeah. can you be banned from Twitter? Right. How long can, uh, if you dead name someone on Twitter, but you learn your lesson, can you come back? Like, yeah. I don't know. Well, what are the parameters surrounding this? Like, you yeah. asked about what was coof with comedy. Well, here's the thing. If I say, no, you shouldn't make a joke like that. In six months, the joke might have played off great. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. It, it might have played off great. Social media has given us all the ability to instantly access everyone mm -hmm. and going back to louis ck one of the things that rogan always says about louis that he he, he always kind of thinks about because it's so straightforward but weird at the same time he goes people talk you know mm -hmm. and, and twitter it's just talk yeah it's just people talking it's just written down yeah and we we frame it we screenshot it we mm -hmm. take it down we people delete it but people already have screen grabs but it's just talk. It's just fleeting. It's just fleeting talk. thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How many times have we said something terrible about somebody that we know? But not in the last ten years, but yeah. certainly before that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, There's been a lot of growth over the years. Yeah, for sure. 
And and like you just look at Kobe's legacy and all the things that he has done. So everything that he has done after those allegations, man, like he's done a lot and and he's done a lot for women and his daughters and and all of the, you know, NWA sports or sorry, WNBA sports teams. <laughs> yeah, not NWA. NWA. He's done a lot for Ice Cube and the boys. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Um but man, I I don't know. I don't like <laughs> You just look at an interviewer trying to kind of tarnish his name without highlighting all of the goods. It just felt like she was kind of jumping on that opportunity rather than bringing it up. Are it, we... it just seemed a little too Blunt, know, attack mode, maybe. Crass. Um, well, I... it's it seemed maybe opportunistic. Sure. So she she works for CBS. Yeah, which um, I understand, but but she again, was actually mad at if you're CBS her or Ari or whoever. Like you got to understand, with that comes backlash. So you can't well, be shocked whenever you're doing that type of thing. Ari's thing was a totally different situation. Hers was in a structured interview, asked respectfully um, by somebody that you know maybe you would think from a she's the most prolific female basketball player of all time. Yeah, and Lisa so, Leslie is saying that she never saw any I know. misconduct from Kobe and I know. and she but it's not Gail, it's Gail the reporter. And I, why did Gail get mad at CBS? Cuz CBS like packaged it up in a way that seemed to maybe, expose her or what? But Gail continues on with her questioning after Lisa Leslie says, "Nah, he was cool." Why is Gail best friends with Oprah and working every morning? Like, I've never gotten this. Yeah, I don't know. Why is she a newscaster? Yeah. I thought she was Oprah's best friend. Yeah, she is. Oprah's coming to the AAC. Yeah. I'm like, are you just going to like give away gifts and like, you know, yeah. talk about your top books or, you know, it's like with special guests. And I'm thinking yeah. like, that's got to be an out of control crowd. Like, <laughs> you get a car, you get a car. Yeah. You get to be my best friend because mine is working at 5 a.m. every day. Apparently. She's one of the few remaining left on that morning show since they they, they got all the, the boys. Um, uh, they were all guilty of harassment. Um, yeah. So they even Charlie Rose. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bye, Charlie. Charlie bit May. Every every rose has its thorn. <laughs> so stupid. Well, I'm glad you're back safe. Yeah, man. You're I back too. near to the pod in your yeah. near pod. Um, any worries about coronavirus now that a thousand people are infected? And no, nah, do you know how many? No, I'm people... sorry. Forty two thousand people are infected. A thousand are dead. Yeah. How many die from the flu, though? Like, you know what our media is already saying? They're like, now these numbers are coming from the Chinese government. You know, we can't trust them. There's probably a boatload more over there. And I'm like, "Eh, it feels subtly racist a little bit. Like, nah, I'm chilling. I I have a lot of nursing friends. They told me not to worry. American Airlines is like not flying to China for the next month or two. I heard. I mean, this is crazy. Yeah. And they think that it came from the the playing the playing on. The penguin, they thought it came from bats. Oh. And it turns out it came from the pangolin. Interesting. Have you seen this? It's nope. like it's like a ant eater meets an armadillo meets Satan. Like it's the scariest looking <laughs> scale like thing. It would cause a disease. But that's the nastiest thing about um uh China. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to find a different way to put that, but the reason why I've never really wanted to go is because I'm like, I don't know what I would eat except McDonald's yeah. the entire time. Cause I I'm being raised SDA, I still can't do like all the creepy crawly things in the sea. Yeah. And I'm disgusted by, 
I remember going to a crab fest in Baltimore and I split three apart and like kind of ate them. And you know, the girl next to me had had 13 <laughs> the amount of time it took me to eat yeah. three. And I was just like, gross, <laughs> this is so nasty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I can't get behind it, but those, those Asian cultures eat everything oh, under yeah. the sun. The fact that we're like, was it the pangolin or the bat that infected the first Chinese person is disgusting. Yeah. Watch this get canceled for that. <laughs> uh, we'll be all right. <laughs> I know our demographic. <laughs> our, well, our food's not going to be sent back. Listen, all you uh, all you wasp Republicans out there listening next year, Gideon Bibles in your drawers. <laughs> We we hope that uh, your chilies, uh, we hope ch- chicken crispers come out right, and yeah. you don't have to send them back this week. And we hope that you don't have to add anybody to your prayer list this week, if you know what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> and may your beans not be filled with lard. I, I hope that you have all all the all the different agenda items that you need on Mayor Pete and the leftist agenda, and how Rush Limbaugh needs our support. In this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Rush Limbaugh's a goner. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but he got the Medal of Freedom, although it, by Melania, so it doesn't feel like it has the same impact. No. Now, if Michelle had done it, it'd be that, like, that all means, right, that means better than Barack, you know. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. you want to get the shout outs? Um, shout out to my buddy Daba. Um, yeah. On, so on Twitter, he's been kind of retweeting our our show notes that we posted or episodes. So I just wanted to give him a shout out. I don't even know if he listens. I need to I need to hit him up, but I definitely appreciate just the support and and sharing um, the stuff that we've been doing. A hundred percent. Shout out. Shout out to him. Brock was like actively doing our stuff. Heston. Gerald. I think Gerald. Dude, Gerald's Twitter bio looks like his like grinder profile. Like it's just (laughs) like his, his photo. And then it says 28, uh, like athletic DFW. And I'm like, this isn't a dating app, bro. Like (laughs) this is your Twitter. I'm like, I hope he hears this. I feel like, am I supposed to swipe left or right through your tweets? Or like, I want to listen to everything you have to say, buddy. I don't care if you're athletic and 28 and close. Like that's, you could be on the other side of the world and I would read this. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I've been wanting to make that joke for a minute. (laughs) Speaking of Gerald over uh, the weekend, I played him in ping pong and destroyed him. Oh, snap. Beautiful. Nice. I had been meaning to tell you, and it completely slipped my mind. I lifted some cash off of him in college, I think, but yeah. he he was better than Rowdy. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, he was he was a great opponent, and like he was we would good. we would have really long volleys, but I would still end up kind of getting the points. But I, he beat me probably in the last two games, but we played several. And uh, all right, yeah. But I know really he's fun. beaten me before. Yeah. So shout out Gerald, you're a worthy opponent, and I want to beat you again soon. Yeah. Cool beans. Um, shout out the f- all all family members listening. Uh, may, perhaps any newcomers. Uh, definitely let us know if you enjoyed this episode. Yeah, we'll we'll tweet this uh, on my end. Shout out Sierra and Paul. We missed you this weekend. She yeah, asked you about them. you. Um, but our Orange County friends from I guess the Newport area, uh, Sierra, and she brought her her main squeeze Paul for the very first time. And so we had a great time with them. That's you know, great. I've gone to Europe with her and the extended crew and uh, she's made it a point to come visit us in Dallas. We're like her second family, her second friend family. Um, she's come every year, like multiple times a year. So it was great to meet her man. They just bought a home together in beautiful SoCal happy for all of their success and glad that we got to 
kick it with them all weekend. Yeah. I was I was out for the first time in a while. We went out to Canopy on Friday evening, which has a beautiful downtown skyline view, and really enjoyed that. And then uh, hit up some patios on Saturday, and yeah, just had a great time. So she asked that about you. Lovely. She said to send her love, and yeah, definitely. So love you too. Yeah. So shout out to everybody else. Yeah. Uh, you got any other closing? Nah, man, that should do it. Closing items. Oh, shout out to you and to oh. me because. I Us. did crunch the numbers right before this, and yeah. I just looked at our recording time for this pod, and we just hit the 30-hour mark. Oh, let's go, baby. Lock it in. Five countries, 25 states, 1,000-plus listens. Mm. And it's only going to get bigger. 30 hours. All right. This episode of the podcast brought to you by MeUndies, MeUndies.com. <laughs> Backslash brad. No, <laughs> no, but yeah. we are open for sponsorship. Hit up our new Twitter account. Give that a good follow. And as always, we're available on all your favorite streaming platforms, YouTube, and at weeklycatchuppodcast.com. Yeah, listening to our podcast while trying to get a good rest. Mattress firm. <laughs> Mattress firm. We launder money. <laughs> all right. Hey, let's tease that for the next episode. Let's talk about mattress firm and laundering money in the next episode. Yes, we Tweet got that it. out. I got you. All right, everybody. We're out. We'll catch you up next week.